Letter Eleven of Letters on England by Voltaire, edited by Henry Morley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shyam Arrowsmith. Letters on England by Voltaire. Letter Eleven, on inoculation. It is inadvertently affirmed in the Christian countries of Europe that the English are fools and madmen. Fools because they give their children the smallpox to prevent their catching it, and madmen because they wantonly communicate a certain and dreadful distemper to their children, merely to prevent an uncertain evil. The English, on the other side, call the rest of the Europeans cowardly and unnatural. Cowardly, because they are afraid of putting their children to a little pain; unnatural, because they expose them to die one time or other of the smallpox. But that the reader may be able to judge whether the English or those who differ from them in opinion are in the right, here follows the history of the famed inoculation, which is mentioned with so much dread in France. The Circassian women have, from time immemorial, communicated the smallpox to their children when not above six months old by making an incision in the arm, and by putting into this incision a pustule taken carefully from the body of another child. This pustule produces the same effect in the arm; it is laid in as yeast in a piece of dough. It ferments and diffuses through the whole mass of blood the qualities with which it is impregnated. The pustules of the child in whom the artificial smallpox has been thus inoculated are employed to communicate the same distemper to others. There is an almost perpetual circulation of it in Circassia, and when unhappily the smallpox. Has quite left the country. The inhabitants of it are in as great trouble and perplexity as other nations when their harvest has fallen short. The circumstance that introduced a custom in Circassia, which appears so singular to others, is nevertheless a cause common to all nations. I mean, maternal tenderness and interest. The Circassians are poor, and their daughters are beautiful. And indeed, it is in them they chiefly trade. They furnish with beauties the Sahalios of the Turkish Sultan, of the Persian Sophi, and of all those who are wealthy enough to purchase and maintain such precious merchandise. These maidens are very honourably and virtuously instructed to fondle and caress men. Are taught dances of a very polite and infeminate kind, and how to heighten by the most voluptuous artifices the pleasures of their disdainful masters for whom they are designed. These unhappy creatures repeat their lesson to their mothers in the same manner as little girls among us repeat their catechism without understanding one word they say. Now, it often happened that. 
After a father and mother had taken the utmost care of the education of their children, they were frustrated of all their hopes in an instant. The smallpox getting into the family, one daughter died of it, another lost an eye, a third had a great nose at her recovery, and the unhappy parents were completely ruined. Even frequently, when smallpox became epidemical, trade. Was suspended for several years, which thinned very considerably the Sahalios of Persia and Turkey. A trading nation is always watchful over its own interests and grasps at every discovery that may be of advantage to its commerce. The Circassians observed that scarce one person in a thousand was ever attacked by a smallpox of a violent kind. That some, indeed. Had this distemper very favorably three or four times, but never twice, so as to prove fatal. In a word, that no one ever had it in a violent degree twice in his life. They observed farther that when the smallpox is of the milder sort, and the pustules have only a tender, delicate skin to break through, they never leave the least scar in the face. From these natural observations, they concluded that in case an infant of six months or a year old should have a milder sort of、uh, smallpox, he would not die of it, would not be marked, nor be ever afflicted with it again. In order, therefore, to preserve the life and the beauty of their children, the only thing remaining was to give them the smallpox in their infant years. This they did. By inoculating in the body of a child a pustule taken from the most regular and at the same time the most favorable sort of smallpox that could be procured, the experiment could not possibly fail. The Turks, who are people of good sense, soon adopted this custom in so much that. At this time, there is not a bazaar in Constantinople, but communicates the smallpox to his children of both sexes immediately upon their being weaned. Some pretend that the Circassians borrowed this custom anciently from the Arabians, but we shall leave the clearing up of this point of history to some learned Benedictines, who will not fail. To compile a great many folios on this subject with the several proofs or authorities. All I have to say upon it is that, in the beginning of the reign of King George the First, the Lady Wortley Montagu, a woman of as fine a genius, and endued with as great a strength of mind as any of her sex in the British kingdoms, being with her husband. Who was ambassador at the Porte made no scruple to communicate the smallpox to an infant of which she was delivered in Constantinople. The chaplain represented to his lady, but to no purpose, that this was an unchristian operation, and therefore that it could succeed with none but infidels. However, it had the most happy effect upon the son of the lady Wortley Montagu, who. At her return to England, communicated the experiment to the princess of Wales, now Queen of England. It must be confessed that this princess, abstracted from her crown 
and titles was born to encourage the whole circle of arts and to do good to mankind. She appears as an amiable philosopher on the throne, having never let slip one opportunity of improving the great talents she received from nature, nor of exerting her beneficence. It is she who, being informed that a daughter of Milton was living but in miserable circumstances, immediately sent her a considerable present. It is she. Who protects the learned father Kuhaye? It is she who condescended to attempt a reconciliation between Doctor Clark and Mister Leibnitz. The moment this princess heard of inoculation, she caused an experiment of it to be made on four criminals sentenced to die, and by that means preserved their lives doubly, for she not only saved them from the gallows. But by means of this artificial smallpox, prevented their ever having that distemper in a natural way, with which they would very probably have been attacked one time or other, and might have died off in a more advanced age. The princess, being assured of the usefulness of this operation, caused her own children to be inoculated. A great part of the kingdom followed her example. And since that time, ten thousand children, at least, of persons of condition, owe in this manner their lives to Her Majesty and to the Lady Wortley Montagu, and as many of the fair sex are obliged to them for their beauty. Upon the general calculation, three score persons in every hundred have the smallpox. Of these three score, twenty die of it in a most favourable season of life. And as many more wear the disagreeable remains of it in their faces, so long as they live. Thus, a fifth part of mankind either die or are disfigured by this distemper. But it does not prove fatal to so much as one among those who are inoculated in Turkey or in England, unless the patient be infirm or would have died. Had not the experiment been made upon him, besides, no one is disfigured, no one has the smallpox a second time if the inoculation was perfect. It is therefore certain that had the lady of some French ambassador brought this secret from Constantinople to Paris, the nation would have been for ever obliged to her. Then the Duke de Villequier. Father to the Duke Dormont, who enjoys the most vigorous constitution and is the healthiest man in France, would not have been cut off in the flower of his age. The Prince of Soubise, happy in the finest flush of health, would not have been snatched away at five and twenty. Nor the Dauphin, grandfather to Louis the Fifteenth, had been laid in his grave in his fiftieth year. Twenty thousand persons whom the smallpox swept away at Paris in 1723 would have been alive at this time. But are not the French found of life and its beauty so inconsiderable an advantage as to be disregarded by the ladies? It must be confessed that we are an odd kind of people. Perhaps our nation. Will imitate ten years hence this practice of the English, 
if the clergy and physicians will but give them leave to do it. Or possibly a countryman may introduce inoculation three months hence in France out of mere whim, in case the English should discontinue it through fickleness. I am informed that the Chinese have practiced inoculation these hundred years, a circumstance that argues very much in its favor, since they are thought to be the wisest and the best governed people in the world. The Chinese, indeed. Do not communicate this distemper by inoculation, but at the nose, in the same manner as we take snuff. This is a more agreeable way, but then it produces the like effects and proves at the same time that had inoculation been practiced in France, it would have saved the lives of thousands. End of letter eleven. Recording by Shyan Arrowsmith.